On episode 19 of the Bet the Process podcast, we'll be continuing our futile effort to pick bowl games. Rufus and I are both 11 and 14 right now, but we're going to run the course on this because one of us is going to owe the other one dinner in Vegas. Uh, We'll be talking a lot about psychology and about how smart we are at predicting what human beings will do and how motivated they will be. Actually, no, we'll be making fun of people that do that, but then we'll be doing it ourselves. Um, And then we'll be trying to find five games for our super contest picks this week. Um, As always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app. It's the best app for tracking all sorts of live betting odds, getting gambling content, and tracking your own picks. Um, As Barstool Big Cat said, it's the best app for the sports better, and it's not even close. So you should go out and get it. It's free on the App Store and Google Play. Um, And with that, let's start the process. Welcome to episode 19 of the Bet the Process podcast. I'm Jeff Ma, as always, uh, joined by Rufus Peabody. Peabody? Peabody? From where are you now? Bulgaria. Bulgaria. I think people are on the internet enjoy the fact that I butcher your name every time, so I think it's it's good this way. Uh, how is Bulgaria? Is it snowy? It was. It's not anymore. It's Still, it's pretty cold and gray, though. I, I'm I'm watching people walk by with umbrellas. So, is it their ode to Rihanna? <laughs> you know, I, I dated a girl that that used to think that you song. Dated, rather, you, di- you dated. I dated Rihanna? a girl. Yes. Um, no, you dated Rihanna. It's a better story. Not, it would have been a better story, but she thought the song rather than umbrella went. You can stand under my arms forever. So. There's yeah. I once listened to someone at a Tina Turner concert sing "What's a Glove Got to Do with It," or whatever. <laughs> That's actually not true. I was never at a Tina Turner concert. Okay, uh, this week in futures, um, college futures. Obviously, there's it's not a ton to talk about. Not a ton has changed, I assume. Um, but probably we can jump a little bit into the bowl games um, with the games remaining this is friday morning we're recording this so we're starting to get into some of the the bigger bowl games um that we haven't picked yet um anything that you see so far so far your your stuff has been good i mean you were a little bit unlucky last night in that virginia tech game virginia tech outgained um, oklahoma state and certainly should have come in within six points but ended up losing by nine um, as uh, Justin Fuentes, their coach, uh, eschewed a couple opportunities for field goals that would have been covers. Um, even at the end, somehow they, they could have gotten that field goal to at least push for you, but it, you, you got kind of unlucky there, I think. Did you uh, follow I, that I, game I, at all? I, no, no, I did not. That game started at like 12.30 a.m. my time, I think. So it, yeah, well, it's, it's hard to watch football games when you're seven hours ahead of the East Coast. Just so you feel a little bit worse about it, they were uh, Virginia Tech was up seven to three, and had a play um, basically go down to the goal line that they had to review, and then they had basically first and goal at the one yard line with 
a 7-3 lead. They fumbled. Oklahoma State went down and scored a field goal. And then after that point, Oklahoma State seemed to have gotten back on track. So that was a big momentum changer. Momentum. Um, Well, I do believe that momentum exists. Whether you can predict momentum is another question. (laughs) But I I agree with that. I mean, people do have emotions and emotional reaction to things. But it seems it like the offenses sometimes figure things out in games, obviously, and then at that and turnovers can be a big port point in getting that emotion or that sort of like confidence back for offenses. I I feel like. Anyway, yeah, I mean, um, for every time you think that something will be an emotional change, you know, I feel like there's many times when it doesn't end up being that change you think it's going to be. But that's my point. My point yeah. is that. Emotion exists. It's just really hard to predict when it's emotion or when it's just one, you know, when, when moment, sorry, when, when momentum is going to be predictive going forward or when it's just like a, a, a non sequitur, like, you know, yes, I don't know if you follow, did you follow the Navy game at all? Navy just crushed Virginia. I haven't followed and, a single uh, bowl game yet. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. Let's move on then. Yeah. Um, do we want to go into our bowl contest? We're both 11 and 14 so far, which means we both suck. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I think we have, I, I guess we can run out the rest of these bowl games, um, in our contest if you want. Uh, up to you. Do you, do you yeah, think we should? It. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. We got Wake Forest, or starting this morning, we got Wake Forest uh, giving three and a half to Texas A&M. What say you, Machine? Machine says Texas A&M. I'm going to go underdog. Oh, wait. Underdog is Texas A&M. I'm going to go Texas A&M. Yeah, I'll go A&M also. Um, Okay. And then NC State giving seven to ASU. I'll take Arizona State. I'm, I mean, with like 0.26 points of value. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with NC State. A rare favorite for me, but you, mm. it's you. That line went from six and a half to seven. So crazy line movement there. Huge. Crazy. It completely changes what I picked for this, too. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Which tells you how much value and how much people should really take into these. Uh, Northwestern is giving nine to uh, the University of Kentucky. I'll take Kentucky. I make it seven. I got to go with Kentucky there also. Um, although Northwestern just seems to play pretty well this year. They've been a, a nice little story. Um, Utah State giving four to New Mexico State. I'll take Utah State. I make it seven and a half. Ooh, do you actually have some value there? Is there a play there? That would be that would be marginal for sure. I mean, it, it would it's better than break even. Are you did you did you guys play that? I don't know. You might have played it at three and a half where it opened. Um, so. actually, I think I have it highlighted, so I think I did. Okay. Um, I also like Utah State. Um, USC getting seven and a half from Ohio State. Uh, I like Ohio State there. I make that that a line of twelve. Ooh, 12 so you 12. actually played Ohio State? You yeah, I played them at six and a half though. 
Probably not that early because there really wasn't much of a market when lines first came out. You know, if I wanted to bet five hundred dollars, then sure, but probably shocking. seven. Shocker that you like Ohio State. It's really shocking. Oh, oh yeah. Um, I actually like Ohio State there too. Uh, Louisville giving six and a half to Mississippi State. I will take Mississippi State. I make it a four-point spread. I'm also going to take Mississippi State. I don't really like Louisville very much. Um, okay. And Memphis. Memphis. Three and a half point favorite. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll take them. Yeah, I love Memphis. <laughs> I just like them as a team. It's Actually, I think the line's four. I don't know if that changes your changes you at all, but ooh, actually it does. It's three and a half at Pinnacle, four and a half at Chris, four. Okay, yeah. So, so okay, I'll, I'll take Iowa State then because I make the line minus three point nine. All right, I'm going to take Memphis still. Another coin flipper. Uh, Washington getting giving two to Penn State. Giving two, I will take Washington get, there. I make get, them get, a point favorite. Getting two. They're getting, getting two. Getting yeah. Yeah. So so I will I'm fade the Nittany take, Lions. I'm also going to take Washington. I'm going to fade the Nittany Lions. Also, we're gonna we're gonna end this thing on a, a nice run. Uh, Wisconsin giving four and a half to Miami. Yeah, I'll take the favorite there. I'll take Wisco. I make it a little over seven actually. Wow, that line that line's come down a bit, hasn't it? It opened at uh, six yeah, and a half. Came down from six and a half. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Miami plus the four and a half. Yeah. No, I'm going to go with Wisconsin. <laughs> There's that line value of having the line come down. Uh, we should probably Michigan. highlight games we actually like. Michigan minus seven and a half against South Carolina. Yeah, I'll take the Gamecocks there. Make it Me- 6.8. Me too. UCF Auburn. Auburn is a nine and a half point favorite. And is but Auburn like is of the green the dream crusher. The dream wait, were you listening to an RJ Bell podcast? <laughs> I listened to I haven't listened to the one this week. I saw you put some notes in it. Um I, I listened yeah, to my first RJ crusher. Bell podcast and I was like, yeah. The dream, does he is that just something he uses it, all the they time? Call that all the time. I mean they make it seem a lot of people in the industry talk about it, so it makes it seem like it is a uh, an expression, a, a universally accepted expression. Well, so, I don't know which team had the dream crusher, but... Well, Auburn had I, the dream crusher. Well, UCS dreams of making the playoff were crushed. Well, they never really had any. They didn't really think they were going to make the playoffs, did they? I, I would hope not, but I think they think they were deserving. I'm going to take UCF. Exactly unbiased. UCF. I'm going to take Auburn. All right. LSU, three point favorite against Notre Dame. Um, I'm going to go LSU. I guess I'll do the same thing. Actually, the line's like between a three and a three and a half, and so is my line. I make it 3.1. So, I'll, But I'll take LSU. Why not? Mm-hmm. And then we got the two national championship semifinals we got georgia two and a half point favorite over oklahoma i'll take oki there what do you make that line 0.4 oklahoma is a 0.4 point underdog i'm going to take georgia minus the two and a half and you're going to take oklahoma plus the two and a half i will and then bama clemson that's a three point spread now up from two and a half 
I'm going to take Bama minus three. That's why. I make it 5.3. This is really riveting stuff going into, uh, you know, we're, if we're tied 11 and 14, let's see the games that we disagreed on. You have NC State. I have NC State. You have ASU. You have oh, Iowa State. I have Memphis. Um, I have UCF. You have Auburn. And then I have Georgia and you have Oklahoma. So should be good. Should be interesting. And they highlighting some games that you actually see some value in. You see value in Ohio State. You see value in Utah State. Um, you see value in Washington a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not something that would be a play, right? I mean, it wouldn't be a play, but it's technically. Actually, no, that's no. I don't. I don't see enough value there to even make it break even. Who Washington? Well, yeah, unless you get two. Yeah, one if you get two. If you get that's two, what, that's what I'm saying. If you get two, then you want your little one uh, percent um, return bet. Go for it. Minus you, to, you have to think if you're giving if we're giving if we're giving information to recreational gamblers, theoretically, like they have very little edge. So well, isn't RJ Bell's excuse? Isn't RJ Bell's excuse that he helps recreational gamblers lose less because they're hitting like fifty one percent instead of? Yeah. Yeah, but if if you think there's like even one percent edge, I would say like that's worthwhile at least to talk about, right? I mean, yeah, right, and, and that and that's one percent edge regressing my number back to the market number. So that's actually you know what I little, predict. Yeah, it's a little higher than one percent then, right? Oh, I mean, the edge implied by my line is definitely higher than one percent. But I'm saying if you were, you got to like if you regress it to the market to actually come up with the sort of true predictive number, because believe it or not, Jeff, the machine is fallible. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe yeah. it. Do you have value? Do you see value in Auburn then? Like uh, from a betting standpoint, it's if your line is like 12 and it's nine and a half. Mine's 13. Yeah. 13. I mean, it, it's still not enough that during the season, it wouldn't be like if I was doing the, I don't know if I was releasing college football picks again, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have qualified as one of the weekly picks. It's not quite as enough for that, but it's still, um, it still does have some value. Yes. And then can we talk about your Arizona play that didn't quite come in because oh, yeah. they didn't play in Arizona? <laughs> exactly. God damn Actually, it in the field. Like, why are these bowl games on neutral fields? Um, why are they always on neutral fields? So it shouldn't be a shock to you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to NFL futures. Um, what is what's the market saying right now about the Eagles? Like, are they are there is there now some value there because of that sort of like how bad they looked against Oakland. Yeah, I, I do think there is, although I've said this before and I'll say it again, that that Massey Peabody, the model is not that great at, at really handling quarterback changes during the year, or I guess attributing play to during the season to like the quarterback versus the offense. And so I probably, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to be a little bit high on the Eagles for that reason. And just like I'll probably be um, a little bit low on San Francisco or a lot low on San Francisco, given that Jimmy Garoppolo apparently is ridiculously good. And yeah, but and he's handsome. We can't talk about him and not mention that he's handsome because he's very but handsome. Apparently, you know, is he is he more handsome than Tom Brady? Does he have a butt chin? I mean, the word on the streets is that he might be more handsome than Tom Brady as much as that pains me to say, but I but think it might be true. Does he have a better looking wife or girlfriend? 
I mean, the jury's still out on that. Tom Brady's married, and um, Jimmy Garoppolo's still going to be able to go and slay women. So who knows? Uh, yeah, what's, so, what's so, so the, the Eagles? Wait, the Eagles are, are twelve to one at the Westgate right now. I make them about eight to one, so I, I see value there, and I see a little bit of value on the Patriots, who I make plus one seventy, and they're at you can get plus one eighty at the Westgate right now. So if you if you go back to this Eagles narrative, right? I mean, I think two weeks ago Foles came in and played really well, um, and then last week he played poorly. And the whole Eagles team played pretty poorly, especially offensively. Um, that was not great conditions for an offense. Uh, it was pretty windy and it was cold. So I'm wondering, um, you know, it, it seems like people may be overblowing this whole thing with Foles and how, because now all of a sudden, like Minnesota's, is Minnesota the favorite in the, in the NFC now? Um, I don't think they're the favorite, but they, actually, yes, they are. They are the favorite. Yeah, so... Seems a little bit like an overreaction, which which gets us back into um, sort of like looking at the general playoff picture. Um, there's been a little bit about McVeigh resting his starters for the Rams. What do you think about that? I mean, obviously, the, the difference is between a three or four seed. So the opportunity to play um, a home game if the four seed um, sorry, if the other seed upsets the the top seed. So what do you think about McVay's decision? You know, I tweeted out about this because I, I um, my friend who's a Carolina fan um, thought that the Rams definitely wanted the three seed because of what you said, like that it would be um, advantageous because there'd be a chance if someone knocks off um if one of the wildcard teams um, wins that they could actually have a chance to host the conference championship game. And so I actually ran the numbers and I found that the Rams actually would prefer to have the four seed. So if they, assuming that they go into the playoffs um, with the same rating um, for my simulations, that's what I did, you know, as a three seed, they'd have a 40% chance of hosting a conference championship. Should they make it there as a four seed, they'd only have an 11.7% chance of that. Um, so that home field advantage difference is worth about 1.4 points to the Rams should they make it that far. However, as a four seed, they get to play. Um, they avoid um, playing, likely avoid playing Minnesota in the divisional round. And Minnesota is the best team in the NFC. So uh, their playoff probability or their their probability of winning that divisional game should they make it there is 42.8%. Um, Whereas it's is the three seed playing Minnesota, it's thirty six and a half percent. So basically, I mean, it's it's very close. Um, as a four seed, I have the Rams with a thirteen point eight percent chance of making the Super Bowl. Twelve point seven percent as a three seed, but obviously, you get to rest your starters, and they have some some older players like Andrew Whitworth who could use that rest. I think. And oh my so, God! You know a name of a player that is I impressive. Do. It's just college that I don't know the names. You know, it's 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 interesting because I think that this is one of those ones that you can do all this fancy math and quantify the differences. But the 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 main point of this is that the difference is not very big either way you look at it. And so the value of being able to rest some starters and avoid injuries and you know, these these this team doesn't have a buy, right? They're not right going to go in as the number one or two seed. So he needs to give them a buy this week, basically. And, you know, knowing or understanding the value of that um, rest is is hard. 
Um, but if the difference between winning and losing that game is not very big by the analysis that you did, it seems that resting players would be the right decision, irregardless of sort of anything else. I completely agree. And, and not just rest, it's, it's avoiding potential injuries because it is football and players get injured every week. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, so the Patriots have had this with, you know, Julian Edelman a couple of years ago and oh, I remember that. Yeah, it's it's terrible. So um, definitely think this is the right thing. Can we talk a little bit about like how you're going to handicap or how you're going to look at um, week 17? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of potential resting and a lot of potential second halves that, you know, like I, I remember in week 17, we'll see some second half lines that are completely out of line with what the first half line was. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so are those opportunities or is it just too much noise and you kind of want to stay away from them? No, I, I kind of want to stay away from them. I'm, I, th- I think the value that I have betting games and betting second halves for that matter comes from like a, math- a mathematical perspective generally or a statistical perspective. And it does not come from playing armchair psychologist. And so if I'm trying to, if I think that I can read you know, the words I can parse out the words of some head coach better than the market. Like, you know, I, I'm not really, that's not my strength. I'm, I'm, you know, that's not my strength. You're just saying you're a math dork and analytics dork and you don't understand human beings. Well, do I understand human beings better than, than the market? I don't know. I don't, I, it's very possible that I do. I just don't have a way to quantify it. And so as a result, I'm not confident enough. Got it. I so, understand you better than most people, I think. <laughs> that's an interesting that's an interesting statement. It is. Uh, so going down to some of these teams, then we have Jacksonville, um, who really don't they really don't have anything to play for. Um, but you said it looks like they're gonna play their starters, probably at least in the first half. Yeah, do we want to wait and go over this when we go over the NFL games one by one? Uh yeah. That, that makes, makes more sense. sense. Let's do yeah, that. Yeah, that makes more sense. Let's do that. But, um I, I did go back and, and waste like an hour of my life, maybe more today, looking at finding the games where teams rested their starting quarterback either the entire game or part of the game in week 17. Teams that I think I, I looked at teams that were at least three games over 500 going into it and then basically eyeballed to see based on who the modal quarterback each of the different quarters. Um, and basically out of 50, well, 47 games where the quarterback um, or where a team rested their quarterback starting quarterback for at least half the game. Um, those teams went 23 and 24 against the spread in those games, but those were mostly in the early two thousands. In fact, since 2000, there's only been 10 of those games that I could identify. I'm obviously not perfect at that, but, and those were seven and three against the spread, but it's a small sample. And so, yeah. So I, mean, I don't think you can just... read too much into it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, just, if, if there was a bias, like like team market always overreacted to when or, you know, when teams, you know, didn't play their starters, then that would be one thing. But it seems like I, I couldn't find any sort of overarching bias. I, I do think the one bigger bias this week is the market inflating teams that have must win games. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And we can why don't we do that also when we go through the NFL games? Perfect. So, yeah, let's move on to this week in touts. Um, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of people have been 
talking about this piece that ran in USA Today, which is obviously known as a tremendous piece of journalism paper. Um, that's sarcasm. If you guys couldn't, how, how do we nominate it for one of those journalism awards? <laughs> like the Pulitzer prize, Pulitzer something prize. like that. What's the, there was, is that journalism? No, that's like musicals or something. Probably. I don't remember what that is. How do you not know what that is? That's your last name. I don't know. Cause I've if never there was gotten a it. award called the Ma. I would know what it was for sure. I'd be Anybody so award is television, radio and online media. Okay. Hmm. That's a pretty wide range of things. It is. Uh, is it for advertising or what is it for? Mm, I do not think so. Okay. Anyway, by so, the way, just, just so you know, when you asked me who the gambler I respect the most is. Um, it's Rob Gretzky. It's Rob, exactly. Rob Gretzky. Yes, definitely. Because yeah. he's, he's got hot girls and he hangs out with athletes. It, he does. Um, there's and, there was and, a piece. And, da- and Vegas Dave it hates on him too. So I, I love that they. That I do. I think it was the most this. ironic, hilarious quote ever. It was the article was so for those of you guys who haven't read this, USA Today ran a piece on a guy named Rob Gordetsky who basically seems like the next version of Vegas Dave. Um, he's talks about his gamble. I mean the the they talk about him being like this really successful sports better who bets parlays on random teams together and um, who believes that he's going to be the number one entity with a market share of 5% of a $150 billion industry. I don't even know what the hell that means. Where, when sports um, betting becomes legal. I don't know either. But that, what is, is the $150 billion industry, the tout industry? Cause like, how is he going to get 5% of that industry unless he's like booking bets himself? Like I have, the hell does I have mean? no idea. This is one of, the quote is attributed to one of the people in his entourage. So, I mean, the article is complete garbage. It oh, doesn't look yeah. like it's fact checked one bit. Um, and you know what, what was interesting. So, you know, beyond like us being able to go in and, and look at what this guy does, there's just some very basic things that, you know, that this guy's not, he plays roulette. Okay. They say he's won money playing roulette, right? That's, absurd <laughs> roulette is one of the worst games in the casino in terms of edge right when i was playing blackjack back in the day like one of the more senior blackjack investors was always really annoyed with me because i played craps and i didn't at those days i didn't play craps for any real amount of money i just played to like kill time and i knew it was a losing proposition um but it was also just a way for us to kill time and have some fun together and so you know, if I ever would I ever go to someone and be like, I am a, you know, successful uh, advantage player in craps, I would I would never, ever say that. Um, so for someone to say like, oh, he's an advantage player roulette or, or whatnot, that that's just ridiculous. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say I, I do. I do know someone who actually found um something with roulette i'm not going to go into detail but yeah there is there is there but, is some there is some ways to beat roulette um there's been a book written about this called fortune's formula where ed thorpe who was the guy that discovered blackjack um actually built a computer with um claude shannon who was the guy that uh, discovered information theory they built a computer that would actually in a camera that would actually record the spins and then I think you could play neighbors for an advantage. There's also um, thoughts that some of the roulette wheels 
are um, not perfect because they're very costly to replace. So if you can find roulette wheels that are not perfect and like track things over time, you can make money there. Um, I, I know that there are ways to make money in roulette. Um, I've never personally found one and I've heard stories, but my guess is that this guy is not doing. No, no, definitely about. not. And that, that would require a lot of work. <laughs> it would require intelligence. A lot, a lot of, it's a lot of work. Um, the roulette game seems like a tough one to beat. Um, I mean, do you know of like you said, do you know of many people that are beating casino games beyond sort of blackjack? I mean, I know like there's the slot hustling and stuff like that. Just look, you know, looking for progressive machines. Yeah, I know people that did that when I when I was living in Vegas, but I don't I don't really know anybody right now doing that now. There's also there was yeah, also kind of like, small time stuff. You also the able... video poker stuff, right? There were some people yeah. that you could do some video poker, like certain sequencing or certain basic strategy kind of stuff in video poker, and do do okay in video poker. I've heard. Like if there, I think I think it comes down to finding progressive machines that haven't hit yet that make it positive EV. But literally, video poker is the most boring thing in the world, in my opinion. <laughs> There's probably more boring things in the world, like working in a factory in fuck in like Sri Lanka or something would probably be really boring. So. No. It would be close. Not more boring than video poker. It's it's probably not even close, right? Video poker has like a, a hit of dopamine that gets you attracted. Like I, I think you probably have had a pretty good life if you think video poker is the most boring thing you can think of. And you have had a good life, so maybe that's I have. I, I'm very blessed. Maybe that's hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. As have you. I have had a great life. I can't complain about my life. Um, do we want to talk any more about Rob? Wanna- no, I, I just want to say that I, th- I I love that Vegas Dave called this guy out because obviously Vegas Dave understands what the guy's doing because he's doing the exact same thing. He's also jealous that this guy's getting a USA Today article written about him. I just don't know what world you live in if you're a writer and you're like, well, I need some like objective sources on this stuff. I'm going to go to Vegas Dave and Fezzik to tell me like what's what's the truth. I wonder, I should look on Twitter and see if, if I'm, I'm sure some people have tweeted sure about this sure people and, are and just been like hello guy. are you are you a real journalist like have you ever heard of like research yeah and it's just like so some people sent tweets to us like oh this is bad for legalization this is bad i mean it's just generally bad this is this is the kind of stuff that we've tried so hard to rise above right this idea that like you know gut instinct and and you can just make tons of money and hang out with athletes and i mean it's 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 terrible <laughs> yeah um okay moving on to i'm proud of you for listening to this rj bell podcast i know it was probably hard for you to get through well i only made it through about a half hour of it Mm -hmm. those podcasts are like an hour and a half long they're long they go through like every game really long and they have this whole concept of like like or lean they have concepts like you said of the dream crusher of the pros versus the joes and like some of the things like that I talked to you about that bother me um, and, and what bothers me generally about this industry is when people make these statements and they don't haven't like like you said, haven't re- researched them or haven't actually like there, there's no, you know, like when when we gave Chad all that crap about the whole idea of like his his patriots, you know, debunking two standard, you know, uh, age old axioms of don't bet against double digit favorites and don't bet against road. Don't 
don't bet on double digit favorites and don't bet on road favorite favorites. You know, you looked it up and they were close to 50 50. And the point is, like, don't make these statements as writers if you haven't actually done research to know that this is true. Right. 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 And then, like, this idea of, you know, what they talk about on RJ's podcast all the time are these ideas of, like, dream crushers. Like, and, you know, and then they'll say, like, one person will argue about something being a dream crusher and the other one will be like, well, this was a bigger dream crusher or this was a bigger emo. It's just like that thing you were making fun of Marco about when he was talking about the different motivations of Cincinnati and Pittsburgh going into their game where Cincinnati's biggest rival is Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's biggest rivalry is Baltimore, but maybe their biggest rival is actually New England. And I mean, like you said, like you and Anita Marks hanging out in the, you know, Jets and Giants, a locker room, maybe you guys can figure out some psychology, but otherwise, how, how are we going to do this? Well, RJ actually had his inside source, who was a radio host in Houston, who told him that Houston is has totally given up. And so, you know, I, I don't know if their dream got crushed, but but apparently that's that's that qualifies as inside information, a radio host. Yeah, well, literally, literally Houston, I think, I mean, like literally DeAndre Hopkins has given up since he's not even playing in week 17. I don't I don't know if you saw at the end of you don't watch games anymore, but like at the end of I think a Monday night game or something like that. Um what's his, Brock Osweiler was no no who's who's not Brock Tom Savage. God, I can't even get their terrible quarter. He wasn't even playing anymore. It was DJ Tom Yates. Savage. No, no, it was Tom Wait, Savage. Oh. This was when Tom Savage was still playing. Ah, okay. I think it was Tom Savage. Who else has played for them? Yates, Tom Savage, and who's Heineke the other one? or whatever his name is. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It was Tom yeah, Savage. Okay. And so Savage was yelling. It was like the last play of the game, and they still could have done like a Hail Mary. Um, and I think the Hail Mary, the only – I think I cared about it because it was going to potentially make an over or, I don't know, backdoor cover or something like that. And he's yelling at DeAndre Hopkins – to get on the line to get set so they can at least run a play. And DeAndre Hopkins is just kind of wandering around like he wants nothing to do with this. So, yes, I do think DeAndre Hopkins has quit because he's not even playing Week 17. However, so. he's a very good player, and he's done very well even with the bad quarterback situation. He's a very good – but, see, I'm talking about this because I'm in a terrible fantasy league that plays Week 17 as our championship, and I have DeAndre Hopkins on my team. So I literally can't play him this week. I'm going to try to say how many times I can wor- use the word literally correctly, um, but overuse it in this podcast because it's one of my other pet peeves with irregardless or regardless, regardless. Whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> but, but honestly, the, you know – Listening to the RJ Bell podcast, the the dream, what's it called, the dream pod, dream crush, yeah, the dream, the dream, the it's dream basically, pod. if you were listening, you would have thought these were like psychologists talking or something, make, having a debate about like the the merits of different psychological theories, because th- that's all that that's all it was basically. It was, um, it was talking about you know Fezzik saying the Rams don't care about winning, and RJ saying, well, McVeigh's hyper competitive, and he'll try, he'll still try to win because. If they win with their backups, that motivation would be huge, you know. <laughs> or, or, or the Colts, like Fezzik saying, the Colts have very minimal home field advantage because of the lack of attendance there. But yeah, I mean, but Fezzik then to... is like, well, what about the emotion? Or sorry, but but then what about the emotion of of it being Chuck Pagano's last game? You know, you yeah, know, and the Cowboys, I mean, the Cowboys were like, 
the dream crusher, whatever, with their playoff hopes being crushed. But then someone, but then the other guy was like, well, it's a divisional rivalry, emotional game. Like, so it's sort of like, well, uh, paralysis by analysis, I guess. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, the, they're trying to fill air of a pretty significantly long podcast. And so we've talked about this. The problem with talking about sports betting is, like, you know, like when we when you tell what your model says, you're not deconstructing all the different things in the model that make that line what it is or make your you see value. Now, it, if you did, I think it would probably be pretty interesting. Right. But it's it's hard to do that um, on every game. So what and especially like some of these that some of these people that are on the show, they, they don't have like a real systematic way of figuring out their bets. They are just doing this based on subjectivity. And so to, to do that, they've got to come up with these sort of narratives that fit their subjective opinion. And um, from that, that's how they create this, this content, right? It's, it's this, this idea of creating narratives that um, fit you know, an opinion. Um, it's called confirmation bias, where you want to like shape this sort of narrative around um, around these things. So did, it is, but, but they did, they did bring up a few specific examples of things that I thought were actually falsifiable. I mean, I think that saying so many of the things they say are not false or aren't really falsifiable, which, you know, it's like technical analysis in the stock market or something, right? I mean, it's, it's, you can say this, but it's, I'm not gonna be able to prove it wrong, but you're not gonna be able to really, the, the, the data isn't really there for it, but they, um, RJ talked about his week 17 zigzag thing. And he was like, the, you know, there's a really good rationale to this, blah, blah, blah. Like a team coming off of a loss at home playing in week 17 against a team coming off of a win because and he said this, the win takes away their motivation. Oh, and this team coming off the loss can't be a double digit favorite. And he quoted them at that is 59, really, really strong. 60, or I should say they can't be a double digit favorite. Uh, 62 and 43 against the spread, 59%. And he was like, that's not some small sample. I mean, well, personally, I, I tried to look at it in my database. And I, got, I, I found something like 46 and 42 against the spread, I think, um, but um, since 2000. But not some small sample. Like, it's 100 games, basically. And if you data mine for a trend, then it effectively is a teeny sample um, because it's not – you didn't – you – you looked at these things to find something that was strong and you're going to find something strong if you look at enough things and it's not even that strong. Um, it's basically so, like the idea that like when you have a bunch of different criteria that goes into sort of a, a trend, basically you need to have more sample size based on the amount of criteria that you use to find that trend. Right. That's right. You can't just say because it's statistically significant, the statistical significance like for you to be able to, look at it regularly and do like a regular like you know t test you'd have to know you'd have to have randomly found it basically and not looked at other ones so because otherwise it's it's it no longer is scientific if you're looking at all these different ones well it completely changes the calculus of whether it's random or not yeah but yeah. um fezic fezic said that psychologically a seven and eight team is better than a six and a nine team to bet on week 17 because of motivation to not have a losing season. 
And I researched it. And seven and eight teams are 49 and 41 against the spread. That's 54.4% in week 17 when playing against non seven and eight teams. Um, and from a fundamental perspective, there's there's not enough evidence to draw a real conclusion, but the there is the effect is the way he posited it. Um, it's just it's not statistically significant, but it's I mean, if you look at it like in a linear regression, it would say that being seven and eight in that situation is worth two point four points. But the standard error on that is one point six. So we 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 can't say either way. Um, and who knows how many different things were looked at to sort of find this. I mean, it is it, it's a great theory, but. The problem with something like that is you you don't really have enough. You're never going to have enough sample si- of a sample size to really know. And, and yes, you can rationalize it and say, okay, this makes sense. But at the same time, like you're not in the locker rooms, you don't really understand the motivation of these actual players in terms of that. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, again, like the these concepts, right? That there is this extra motivation to get to 500. I mean, we, it's, it's kind of just like you said, like, it's like these guys are trying to play psychiatrist on these or psych, you know, uh, on these, on these players and try to understand like what, how they're going to act. And, and, you know, I think that they're going to be right probably as much as they're wrong um, or wrong as much as they're right. And, just the fact that you know you have done some analysis on it and and you show like some impact but a pretty big error even within that analysis means to me that this is like pretty noisy stuff um and you know again like if you this is one of the things that i've always found sort of interesting about the concepts of like situational analysis looped in with like the idea of straight analytics your point is that the situation analysis should be part of the straight analytics. Um, and, you know, I wonder, like, I wonder like some of the more successful sports betters out there, um, that are using both analytics and some form of subjectivity. You know, I would, I would put Haralabob vulgaris into this category where I know that, that there is a certain amount of, of subjectivity that goes into the way he looks at games that that subjectivity may come from the fact that the dude watches a ton of basketball and knows a ton about basketball. Um, but, um, it's, it's an interesting, um, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess for me, like to cherry pick a few things out of their podcast that actually make sense is, you know, they, they, they do from time to time say things that are interesting, that make sense, but they, most of the time have zero actual data behind them. They are just, you know, it's like a blind squirrel finding an acorn, right? Every once in a while, something's going to be like relevant that they talk about because they're talking forever. That's true. And I actually did learn something too. Um, I I found something that actually I did not know and and was real. Like Fezzik said that Colts have very minimal home field advantage because of poor tenants. But also he argues that home field advantage is greater when, games are very close and also it's greater when you have prime teams playing like good teams now there's nothing to home field advantage being greater in closer games and i haven't when i looked in the past i didn't find anything with the attendance overall but there is something to like home field advantage being greater as a function of the total rating massy peabody rating of the teams at least which actually was um statistically significant it, it's not a ridiculously large effect or anything but it still was still pretty interesting like i learned something so in other words, like better teams have a higher home field advantage when no. they're playing each other? 
when when the total rating of the two teams is higher, yes. So in other I just, words, I, like, I just did a regression. I added an interaction between the total combined rating of the two combined Massey Peabody rating of the two teams and the like um, home field advantage. So, well, I mean, the home field advantage being greater in closer games is actually like the opposite of a lot of things that I've read and seen and that I've that I've looked at, which yeah, is yeah, and the effect doesn't even go that direction. I agree. It goes it goes the other direction in close games, especially towards the end of games. In close games, home field is it like it dissipates from what I've from what I remember. Well, late in games, yes, but I think he meant that when teams are evenly matched, you're going to have more home field advantage, probably because he obviously seems to think the crowd is a big part of it, and so I guess I assume that. Comes but, from that, but, but that's what I'm but that's what I'm saying like that that is which counter is, to what we're saying which is you would think that from his analysis that in a close game late in a game that home field advantage would be an even bigger point but I guess that's this is like a weird this would be a weird analysis to do because if you're looking at close games theoretically a lot of advantage has disappeared because the game is close <laughs> right I mean I was just looking when, when I looked at that I was looking at how evenly matched the teams are so yeah. home field advantage is not greater when teams are more evenly matched. Yeah, got it. All right, let's um, let's let's again skip the this LVSC and I know we're dying uh, to talk about this, but we have we, we can do that. We've already gone up, yeah, we've it's good stuff for us to have as on the back burner for when we have fewer things to talk about. See, I used fewer correctly there, not less things, fewer things. Ah. Um, but let's move on to man versus machine. Um, let's start up the machine. Okay. Let's start up the machine. And the, the machine is going to be very broken this week, though. Or it's going to be, it, it might need some tinkering because of all the these weird motivations. This is, where the, this is where the man should be crushing you. It's true. It should, should be the dream crusher. It's true. Right. I don't know. Are we gonna are we gonna go through every game or because I've I've basically found one two three four five. I mean, there's only um there's a bunch of games. Let me. We, let me we need our we need number. our super one, two, we need three, our super five, six games. Okay, there's like six games where I think that for sure we can't re- you can't really go based off the fundamentals because a lot of it is just making assumption about you know. How much, the, how, how many snaps like the starters are going to get, if any, and things like that. So, well, we need our super contest picks, if anything, we'll, if nothing okay. else. So, so let, let's go through and we can discuss them, the games one by one and decide, if, like, if they should, right. be, yeah, for man versus machine. Okay, sounds good. So, okay, Baltimore, nine and a half point favorite hosting Cincinnati. Baltimore, it is a must win game for them, or, well, they win in their end. If they lose, they can still get into the playoffs through the back door. Uh, the machine makes that a 7.1 point spread. So machine likes the Bengals. Yeah, I really, I actually like the Bengals there. Um, they played pretty well last week. And if you, if you want to talk about this notion of like, you know, rivalry and all that kind of crap, like I can't imagine them lying down for Baltimore, right? It just doesn't seem like something that they would do. No, I don't think so. It's it's Marvin Lewis's last game too. I mean, I don't know if that actually has anything to do with anything, but <laughs> well, I think we'll find out whether they. I find, I think we'll find out whether they actually like Marvin Lewis or not. So this this will we? Just because they play poorly doesn't mean they dislike the guy. They could no, just have had a sloppy game. <laughs> no, I think it definitely means they dislike him. So, well, it is a sample size of one. So it's a it's a good sample size. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Detroit, 
is a six and a half to seven point favorite. Uh, six and a half, I think now uh, against Green Bay. D- both teams are eliminated. Uh, I make the line Green Bay plus three point seven. So machine is on the Packers. I like the Packers also. I mean, there's no world where I would want to be giving six points with Detroit anyways. Yeah, that's game. Detroit's not a good team. No. They're not nearly as good as their record. Miami, two-and-a-half-point home underdog against Buffalo. Buffalo still has something to play for, barely. They have a very small chance of getting into the playoffs, but in order to get in, they have to win this game. Um, I make Miami minus 1.9. Machine is on Miami. Yeah, I like Miami there also. That that I think um that could be a super contest pick. It could be. Yeah. Atlanta is a four point favorite hosting Carolina. Atlanta needs to win or have Seattle lose to get in the playoffs. And so um they will be playing they will be, in the words of the pregame podcast, like super motivated. Whereas Carolina is only motivated. Um, I make Atlanta a 2.4 point favorite. So machine likes Carolina. Yeah. I'm going to say that's Atlanta. I like Atlanta there. Um, I guess I just worry or think about whether Carolina is going to like play everyone and like cam, but why wouldn't they? They're playing for the division. They're playing for, for a home playoff game. So, because New Orleans is, those games are going on at the same time, and and Carolina yeah. still they can actually still get a first round bye if everything falls yeah. the right way. You convinced me. New Orleans has to me. lose. Minnesota has to lose. You convinced me. I'm with you on Carolina. Okay. Um, and that segues well into New Orleans Tampa Bay, where New Orleans is a six and a half point favorite. And they have something to play for as well. They're playing for the division. They don't have a chance at a first round bye, but you know, you'd much rather get that home playoff game, and uh, in the seating, right? So I guess they're they're, um, yeah, that they can get the three seed still, I believe. And so yeah, I, I but I make that line four point eight. So Tampa Bay, it is. Yeah, I like Tampa there also. And now we get into the first real motivation game. Tennessee is a three-point favorite at home against Jacksonville. Jacksonville has they have literally nothing to play for. They're locked into the number three seed. But from what I've read, they have said they'll play their starters or they'll play to win. I don't know why necessarily. I mean, maybe quote momentum. But given the fact that they won't have a first round by it, to me, that doesn't really seem like a smart move on their part. But I don't know. So I don't really know to believe to believe uh, the organization there or not, or whether that means they'll play half the game or not. But if they played their starters the entire game, I would make Jacksonville a one point favorite. However, I would just stay away from this game. Because I yeah, I, I I mean, <clears throat> I think history has told us that there, it's not. I, I when it, when an organization comes out and says something like this, right? Like there's a lot of credence put into this, but then what they end up doing or 
you know, what's what's really the smart thing for this organization to do? It, it, it is not to play this game to win. Like, I know Jacksonville played a poor game against San Francisco last week. Um, that was certainly partially due to, I would guess, like a hangover of, of having, you know, clinched the division and whatnot. At this point, I, like, what sense is it for them to go out and try to win this game when it means absolutely nothing? Um, I could see them playing their starters for a half and resting them in the second half, but it's hard for me to believe that any man of sound mind and body would actually like put his team out there for 60 minutes and think that that would be a good idea. Um, so I'm with you. Let's stay away from that game. I agree. Okay. New England is listed right now as what is that? 15 and a half. 15. Yeah. Is it really that high still? And a half. Yeah. I'm seeing 14 and a half, 15, 14 and a half or 15. Yeah. Uh, they're a 14 and a half or 15 point favorite against the jets. However, that's that's a game where New England, if they win, they lock up the number one seed, or have or if Pittsburgh loses, they lock up the number one seed. But so so they obviously do care about winning. However, it's you don't have to cover a fifteen point spread to win. And I would suspect that if they're if they they're up big in the second half, you would see Tom Brady exiting early, and you'd see them running a lot of running running the ball a lot and playing a very vanilla offense, and maybe trying to throw in some weird plays to confuse the opposing team's scouting um yeah running i think they're probably formations so i mean here's the point though like that spreads 15 so my number is 18 i don't know if i would i don't think i I, i'm not playing this game myself because of this because but to one extent they have to have a big lead for the to pull brady but at the same time it's not like i mean they could then the Jets could come back and score a meaningless touchdown or whatever and, and get the cover. So, I, I, you know, it's one of those games I still want to stay away from. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know me. I'm not a big person on, like, large lines like this. Um, and certainly in a situation where you're not sure exactly how the Patriots are going to play things out. I mean, they tend to keep Brady in for quite some time. But um, I would, you know, I, I, I would guess that we will see Hoyer in that game. Um, they're obviously different because they have a buy for sure. So they don't necessarily need to rest people, but they've had some experience with in recency bias of, of having guys get injured. So you could see a situation where Gronk doesn't play that much, or like you said, where they start running a lot in the second half and try to just, you know, get the clock down and, and not play many plays, um, as opposed to what they normally would do. So yeah, let's stay away from that game also. Okay. Houston against Indianapolis. That spread is Indy is a up to a five and a half point favorite. I would guess that is because of DeAndre Hopkins being out. Um, I make machine makes well, and also Houston. also the inside news of Houston being quitting. Right, we got the oh, radio yeah, guy saying they've quit. So there we go. And yeah, they may or may not have a quarterback to play. I don't know, but I still make Houston one point seven point favorite, and so I like Houston here. Yeah, I think that's the this is the the hate has gone too far kind of thing. That's way too many points for Indy to be giving to Houston or any team. Yeah. Even Cleveland. Pittsburgh has they they've already locked up the first round by they're hosting Cleveland. They're an 11 point favorite, but they can lock up home field advantage throughout the playoffs if they win and the Patriots lose. However, Mike Tomlin has smartly um, stated that he's thinking about resting his key starters like Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell because, you know, the, the odds of the Patriots losing 
um, are very slim. And so I think that that makes sense. I, I make the line minus 17, but I, I'm staying away from that game for that because my guess is if Ben, if, if Big Ben starts, he's not going to play the full game. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's stay away from that. It'll be a game where like Pittsburgh's up 14 at the half and then, you know, you see Landry Jones in or something and probably ends with Pittsburgh winning by 10 or something. Um, New York Giants. Three by the way, I like that we just made fun. We've made fun of the dream pod for being psychologists yeah. and all we've done for the last five minutes is be psychologists. However, almost. however, I've said I don't know. And so I'm just not betting it. Yeah, we're basically just, saying we don't know. And so don't bet it. Yes, I think that's it. You're right. I should I should clarify. Um, New York Giants are a three-point home underdog against the Redskins, the seven and eight Redskins who apparently have extra motivation because they want to be 500. And also Kirk Cousins apparently says that he really cares about not being in a losing organization or something. So maybe the Redskins get more likely to keep him if they go eight and eight. I don't know. But I make the Giants a 0.4 point favorite. So I'm on the Giants. The machine is on the Giants, I should say. I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I certainly see all the value on the Giants there, and then and after their um, performance against Arizona, which was abysmal, um, it's hard to to really feel any value there. Um, the Redskins are also extremely beat up still. Um, last game of the season. Um, yeah, I'll. I, I just. I'm with you. I'll take the Giants. Possibly Eli's last game in the Giants uniform. True. Not that that Anita has... Marks. We'll see what Anita Marks has to say about this. By the way, none of those things have have any weight in my model. But uh, Vikings are an 11 point home favorite against the Bears. 11, 11 and a half. Machine makes it 13.9. The Vikings don't really have much to play for. They oh oh they can lock up that number two seed in the first round by with a win or um, a New Orleans, I think, the, or a New Orleans win or a Carolina loss. I think that's what it is. Basically, they need a bunch. Basically, there's only like a 3% chance they don't get that first round by. So, but at the same time, like, I feel like they'll probably, if they're up big, I expect them to rest some players. However, they would have to already be in position to cover, I think. So it's one that I'm not playing myself, but machine makes it minus 13.9. So in this, I would, I would, yeah, this is one of the ones where I think I would play Minnesota. If I, if I were, you know, like if, if I had to pick every game, I, I definitely would pick Minnesota because I just feel like their defense is so good that they'll really prevent Chicago um, from scoring. And I, yeah, I guess maybe I've just, I'm getting prone to recency bias. Cause I've just seen this. I've seen this movie with them many times where they're just, crushing people defensively and their offense is just, you know, clockwork down the field. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I would take Minnesota if anything, I probably wouldn't take Chicago here. Right. However, Minnesota, you know, they, they did have the shutout last week, 16, nothing against green Bay, but I don't think they were nearly as dominant as the score indicates green Bay, like drove a bunch of times and, and just let it not to kick field goals and went for it on fourth down. And I think was, was not very good at that. Um, and Minnesota's offense did not play well, but I think, let's see the fundamentals of it say, eh, 
Actually, yeah, pretty... Green Bay played about fi- or sorry, Minnesota played according to my game grades, fifteen points better. So yeah, I guess it was indicative. Like it, it did reflect the score. Sorry, scratch, scratch my point. Philadelphia oh. uh, is a two and a half to three. It's it's up to three most of the places now. Okay, three point home underdog against Dallas. This is another game where I don't know if Foles is going to start or if he does, how long he'll play or if the Eagles will rest other players. The market obviously assumes that to be the case because the Eagles would definitely be a, a favorite of more than a field goal if that wasn't. My number is is Philly minus 5.1, but this is a game I'm, I'm going to avoid because I don't know. Um, uh, I really don't know if their starters will play and how long and how much who they'll rest and how much those guys are worth, you know? Yeah, got it. Yep, move on. Okay. The Chargers, again, hosting the Raiders as an eight-point favorite. Seven and a half now, actually. That's a game where both teams are eliminated. Well, actually, no, the Chargers can still win with, like, a miracle. They can still get in the playoffs with a miracle. I make the Chargers a five-point, six-point favorite, so I take Oakland. I would take Oakland there, too. Seven and a half points just seems like a lot in a game where Oakland, I think Oakland will try. Why wouldn't they try? This is, you know, their division rival. It is, yeah. And Oakland's defense has been playing much better. I, 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 they played pretty well against Dallas, and they played pretty well against Philly. So, but I, I thought it was just the wind and the cold that played well. I didn't say it was just the wind and the cold. I'd say that probably contributed to Philly's poor performance. Do you disagree? I, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know how windy or cold it was. <laughs> it wasn't super windy, but there definitely was some wind there, and it was really cold. It looked really cold. I was I was cold watching. So. <laughs> okay, moving on. Seattle is a nine and a half point favorite against Arizona. Seattle has to win and have the Falcons lose to get in the playoffs. I make that line ten, so I don't. Machine doesn't have any value. Yeah, but you know, back to this making fun of Fezzik and RJ. The last uh, podcast two weeks ago before the Seattle-Dallas game, um, Fezzik was making this whole point about how Dallas was on the up because they just got Ezekiel Elliott back and Seattle was on the down and they were you know going to quit and they didn't really have a chance to make it and um, to the playoffs and Dallas did and all this kind of stuff. And, and that was he was making a big point. And, and Matthew Holt actually made a really good point, which was basically like, listen, that may be true when the line was like two and a half or whatever it was, but at five and a half, there's zero value on, you know, Dallas in that case. Like, and how can you say that like their motivation is going to be so much different than Seattle's motivation? Seattle still had a better probability of making the playoffs going into last week. Well, facts aren't really facts aren't really in the, we don't need facts, right? Facts are, facts are just boring. Well, Fezzik this week talked about Seattle game and basically said that Seattle, Dallas should have won, and Seattle had almost as many penalty yards as they had actual yards, or something. He was like, "Well, they had a, they had 106, 146 total offensive yards and 140 penalty yards, so they had six net yards." And I'm, I'm not sure that's how it works, actually, but especially given that I'm, I assume all their penalties weren't on the offensive side of the ball. But he also said he would have liked Arizona here, except that their 23 to nothing win. He said, quote, the 23 nothing win is holding me back from liking them because of motivation. Uh, uh, explain that to me. I don't I don't know how they're less motivated now that they 
I think we gotta like. I, I think we know. gotta like. I think we gotta like Arizona here, right? That's too many points. What are uh, you have at ten? Minus you ten. You have ten. I, I have no. nothing there. I got nothing Forget at all. It. Forget it. All right. Okay. That's first disagreement. Disagreement. No. Man, I'm saying I'm I saying didn't I'll, take a I'll side take at all. Oh, you okay. didn't take a side. Okay. No, because I'm right basically on the market. Okay. Um, Denver is a three and a half point home favorite against Kansas City because Kansas City is going to rest their starters because they are locked into the number four seed. If Alex Smith played and the rest of their starters played, I would make it Kansas City minus four. However, I do not know how much to quantify the absence of what I assume to be a myriad of different players. So I will stay away from this game. I will also stay away. And lastly, this game... I don't like this one very much just because I, I bet the Rams at like minus three and a half. Um, you want you want to talk about really good line value? God. Um, yeah, it's like negative your, six and a half. In your professional. Well, I, I didn't You're even think sharp. that. You're well, I like sharp. I like that you did this and you still are giving McVay kudos for resting his starters because it's the right thing to do. You're he did the right thing. Princi- I didn't, you're a very principled individual. He did the right thing. I didn't I didn't really think that he would consider it really given that they are playing, you know, for seeding and you know, I I don't know. And, and I sort of assumed actually I thought the market was kind of already taking that into consideration by making that line like three and a half. Basically the thought that maybe you know, maybe some guys are gonna see a little bit of rest. Um because you know, the the line what now? It's like San Fran minus three, but but with you know at full strength, I would make that line Rams minus fifteen. So that's because I also hate Jimmy Garoppolo because I don't know how to really properly quantify him um in season like this with the the way the Massey Peabody model is. Um so that's definitely you know, I th- I think that the Ram the the Niners are actually a little bit better than that. However, you can't ignore the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play defense, and the 49ers don't have. A Wait, good he doesn't. He, not that I've seen. I haven't. I haven't watched enough football though to know. You haven't been watching football. You've been in Europe, so I've, I've been you watching might be NFL wrong. games. But all right, well let's let's see if we can let's see if we can pick five games for the super contest pick and give people five okay. uh, legitimate games that we think have some value. Um, I like okay. I like what's up. We definitely can. I, I see yeah. five right now. All right. Well, let's see here. Uh, uh, I like Miami. I like Miami as well. What are they? What do we decide they are? Plus, Plus the two, two and, and a half. half. Yeah. Yeah. At home. Um, I, like I the You like the Giants? I do. Plus three. Ugh. Can we skip them? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like Houston plus five and a half. I like Houston plus five and a half. Green Bay plus six and a half. Sure. How do you feel about that? Sure. I like that. And I know you like Cincy too, right? Yeah, I like Cincy plus the nine and a half. I'll go with that. So that's four, right? Yeah. And then you wanted, did you want the G-Men? I would take them. Yes, that's that's the strongest one left, according to me. However, or right. what about Oakland? We could do that too. I haven't. Yeah, let's do Oakland. Yeah, that's stronger. I think plus seven and a half. Okay, so our our five super contest picks then are 
Miami plus the two and a half, Houston plus five and a half, uh, Green Bay plus six and a half, Cincinnati plus nine and a half, and Oakland plus seven and a half. Yes, sir. All right. This was a long podcast, but hopefully a good one. Oh, wow. um, it was. As always, uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week.